challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. I start my podcast this episode with a little bit of sadness because I'm going to talk about little boys and their relationships with their mothers and their fathers. And the reason I'm a little bit sad about it is that I'm aware that a huge portion of little boys in our world today, especially in the United States and especially in ethnic communities, which I love, are without fathers in the home. So I'm aware as I begin this podcast that I am talking to people who may be wishing for fathers to make a difference. And I want to just remind you that there's a tremendous statistic we need to keep in mind, and that is men who are not the biological fathers of a young man stepping into his life to make a difference can make as much as an 85% difference in that young man's life. That's stunning. That means that there's a young man in my neighborhood, he doesn't have a father, I step in his life, I pull some other men into his life, we love on him, we work out with him, we teach him, we show up at his school, uh, you know, we take him on some trips, we teach him what noble manhood is, we encourage him, maybe we make some things possible for the the mom if money's an issue or what have you. Um, and we can make as much as 85% difference of what a, what a biological father, a good biological father in the home would have been. So let's keep that in mind as I talk about this. But what I want to talk about in this podcast then, more positively, is the way a boy makes a migration from his mother to his father in the course of his life and how that should be managed and how that should be handled. There's no question when a young man, when a baby is born, obviously he orients, I'm going to speak in, term, in male terms now, I'm not dissing girls, obviously, but I'm going to speak in male terms. Um, he, he orients to his mother. She's the body he comes from. She usually provides primary care. Uh, there's breastfeeding. There's a lot of physical connection between the two. And that's the way it goes. She's the nurturer. And a baby, especially early in its life, most babies are early in their lives. Sorry for that clumsy phrase. But they need the nurturing. And moms tend to provide that most of the time. Okay. Well, almost from the beginning, fathers are a little bit on the outside. Maybe some of you have heard me joke that when a child is born, you know, the dad's all excited, but pretty soon the mother-in-law mafia moves in and the dad's basically living in the backyard in a, in a tent. And that's a humorous way of saying, you know, fathers get a little dislocated. They get a little bit outside of the whole thing. Sure. Dads today are there at the birth and they, you know, I'm thinking of me, I'm thinking of my son, thinking of other young men I know, they're very active. They change diapers, they feed, they're involved. But for the most part, it's still women, still the moms who are the nurturers, who are there, who are providing primary care. Even if they go to work, even, you know, the, the still it's, it's the mom, it's her body, it's her nurture, it's her style, it's her warmth, it's her personality, it's her voice that a baby tends to orient to. Now, men are eager for this boy to grow up. Men are eager to play with this guy. Men, it's funny, I've many, many times been there at the births of babies and, you know, dedicated babies as a pastor and what have you. And it's funny, men, they got some little, you know, 
six-week-old in their arms. They're talking about when they can teach them to play football and when they're going to yell and scream at the Super Bowl and uh, you know when I'm going to take him on a hike and I'm going to teach him to hunt or whatever. You know, we're going to go boating or I can't wait to see him graduate from high school. You know, the kids, <laughs> the kid can't even suck his thumb yet. Um, but dad is already dreaming of the future. Well, that's I don't discourage that. That's good stuff. That's how dads think. I love what I see happen in the lives of young men. Little baby gets put in their arms, male or female, and they start going, oh my gosh, I need to, we need to open an account at the bank for this kid's college. We need to think about this and that, that, you know what? The house we're living in is not adequate. We need to add on or we need to move. It's how dads think. They think about the future. They think conditions. They, if they're wise, if they're good dads, they think about savings. They think about provision. And yeah, they think about the fun, the routiness, the trips, the talents, the skills, all the things the kid's going to need to know. I love it all. What we don't want in the early days, what we don't want is a father who gets a little offended with a child, especially a young boy, orienting to the mom. And this is natural. This is what's going to happen. Theologically, I often teach families that moms, when it comes to reflecting the character of God, moms tend to reflect the idea that God is there and that he loves them and that he cares for them. What happens when a child falls on the playground? They usually don't run to the dad. They run to the mom if they have that option. They run to the mom and she holds them, comforts them, wipes tears away, asks to see that nasty boo-boo, puts the band-aid on and the mucurochrome or whatever else, you know, it's got to be put on the boo-boo. And, and she is the warm center of the child's life. Well, the child uh, then reflects, so the mom reflects that God exists and God is there and that he cares. That's how a mom would reflect on the character of God. A dad tends to do what? Throw the baby in the air and catch it, swing it around, soon as it's old enough, wrestle, you know. And and so God, the the, the kid kind of learns from dad that 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 he's sometimes terrified of how dad's playing with him, but he learns that he can be trusted, right? You swing the kid around, the kid's thinking, you know, this I could die from this, but this sure is fun. <laughs> and I sure do trust dad to hold on to me. I've got a five-year-old grandson. I'll tell you what, I've told you this before. He steps in our house. He greets his grandmother, BB, Bev. Um, you know, he's happy, to thrilled to see her. But within seconds, he's going, Papa, can we wrestle? He wants to wrestle. He wants to get on the floor and he wants to, you know, take this guy on who's 10 times his weight and wrestle him and jump on his back and grab his head and get him to the ground and, and see if he can pin him down and all these things. I mean, this is what he wants to do. And some of it's terrifying to him, but he learns he can trust me. He can learn, he can ride on my shoulders walking down a city street and I've got him. He's a little scared. He's a little terrified. I'm sure he's had the thought in his life this, this is, this is terrifying. I don't want to do this, but he trusts me. And so the reflection of a male, of a father figure on uh, God, the reflection of, of, of God into the person's life, the young man's life, is that God uh, is powerful and he can be trusted. So moms reflect God's there, he cares, he's loving. Dads reflect God is powerful, but he can be trusted. It's almost like the, the line from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Is Aslan safe? No, he's not safe, but he's good. And that's how dads are, right? Dads are always doing the scary stuff, but teaching you about strength, teaching you how to, about trusting strength and so on. Now, here's what I'm trying to get to. 
Sometimes what happens is women are so dominant in the life of a little boy that the dads uh, do what they can, play as they can, engage as they can, but sometimes they start to move away. They get busy. They say, well, the kids belong to the mom. The kids belong to the mom. The little boy belongs to the mom. And that's often true functionally, but obviously a, a, a little boy at every age needs his dad at whatever level the dad can step in. But some dads, because they get impatient, because they're trying to help, they're trying to be near, but the kid maybe isn't just up for it. He's not, maybe doesn't want to, he wants to be with mom more than dad in the early days. And sometimes men get offended. And sometimes maybe the kid's not wired like, like my little five-year-old grandson who just almost tackles me the moment he walks into our house. It's, it's all rowdiness all the time. And he's trying to tackle you know, a guy who's the, who's at least the weight, not the not the strength, but the weight of an NFL lineman. And uh, and he, he, what is he, 40 pounds, 45 pounds? I mean, it's comical, but this is how little boys are wired. So some of them don't want that. Some of them are more bookish. Some of them are wired differently. And some of them, depending on their personalities and what happens in the home, some of them stick with the mom a little bit longer. But the dads need to stay engaged at whatever level they can, because when the boy begins to migrate a bit away from mom, two things need to happen. One, dad needs to assure that there's nothing but respect for mom, for mom during that entire time. Boys, teenage boys in particular, early adolescent boys, will often migrate away from their mothers. It can be very painful to their mothers. And often, if there's not some coaching and some discipline, this can also come with a bit of disrespect. They get tired of being overmothered. They Suddenly, what they wanted when they were five, they don't want when they're 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, they don't want to be hovered over. They don't want to put on your socks, you know, warn, re- reminders. They don't want to be told in front of girlfriends, you know, do you have a raincoat or do, I, did you get your lunch off the kitchen counter this morning or do you, do you have some money? They don't want all that. All the stuff that mom's been doing suddenly becomes offensive. Why? Because he's feeling his independent manhood. And the mom needs to understand, difficult though it might be, that this is not a rejection of her. This is him trying things out on his own. He might be huffing and puffing and rolling his eyes, but he's he's only trying to explore his independence. This is when dad needs to step in. And I don't mean step in as though he hasn't been there previously, but he may need to step in at a greater level which is hard for dads to do who have been distanced or who have distanced themselves either out of offense or busyness because they've just left the boy with mom. Now at this age, they need to begin to pull in more tightly. They need to begin to pull in with the boy and do things with him and teach him about independence. Now's the time to go on that hunting trip. Now's the time to take a trip and talk about sexual matters while you're doing something fun, hiking the mountains or whatever. Uh, now's the time to start exploring engines and uh, give him, teach him about guns so he learns about power, but in a responsible way. And do sports with him. Go out and get involved in the pickup football game where people get bashed around and maybe get bloodied. But, but at least it's gone to another level. At least the boy is beginning to explore his strength and his independence in an environment where he's coached by other men and told how to contain it. And if you don't do that, he'll be an unfettered, unchecked, undisciplined boy using his strength and his sexuality, by the way, in inappropriate ways down the road. So the dad needs to stay close, as close as he can the entire life of the boy. But when the boy is more attached to the mom, uh, he needs to understand. He needs to celebrate that. He needs to be as much in there as he can be, not be offended, not get distanced by busyness. And when the boy begins that migration more to the dad, it's subtle and it can happen at different times. The dad needs to assure respect for the mom. 
She's the queen of the home. She's the love of his life. Nobody will disrespect her. You need to love your mom even as you migrate away from her. It's a hard thing to narrate sometimes, but boys will understand it. Love your mom, respect her. It doesn't mean that everything she's concerned about or worried about or all of her you know, fussing over you, you have to you know, comply with necessarily, but you do need to show respect. And then dad needs to take the boy into man world, more fully into man world. And now if a dad does this right and everybody's got their own culture, Suddenly the boy's firing a gun or he's playing sports at a new level and allowed to, you know, whoop people or whatever. Um, now they're going on trips. Now they're away from home a little bit. This doesn't, this doesn't have to be big money. Um, and it's not, it's not just a country version of manhood. It can happen a lot of different ways. Now we're traveling. Now we're going to the ocean. When we go to the ocean, we're not just floating around in the, the shallow part. We're out there in the deep air. We're learning to surf. We're, you know, maybe we're going to do some deep sea fishing. And, you know, even, even on family vacation, suddenly dad's saying, let's go parasailing. Let's go see if we can stab ourselves a fish. Let's go. How, would you like to learn to scuba dive? I mean, I'm just making this up. And this isn't everybody's culture listening to this podcast. But the bottom line is the dad begins to take the boy into a realm where he can explore his wildness, learn to control it, look at, learn to contain it, all in an environment of respect for the women in his life, particularly his mother. And you narrate it. The goal is that by the time uh, the boy is, you know, late teenager, college, he's made a turn to an equal embracing of both parents. It shouldn't, it didn't, they normally grow out of a preference for one parent over the other. But you need to stay in the game, dads, and you need to encourage all the connection to mom that ought to be there. Now, some of you are going to say, what happens if the, the kid's 16 and he only wants to be with his mommy? Well, at that point, you've got to work in cooperation with the mom and say, look, it's time for a little bit of gravitation. Here's a lot of time for him to make a migration over to, to man world a little bit. Would you encourage that? Would you back away just a little bit on certain issues? It doesn't have to be a competition and there shouldn't be big arguments over the dinner table, you know, in front of the kids and absolutely don't treat your kind of mommy oriented teenage boy as though he's somehow effeminate or deformed or stupid, but take him out into the world, take him where and and go with his interests too. If he's got an interest in animals or got an interest in plants or got an interest in nature or got an interest in space, go with that, use it, learn something about it, take him to NASA, take him wherever you can take him. Uh, go, take him to an observatory. Do what, do what you have to do. Uh, the, the scriptures say, raise up a child in the way he should go. The Hebrew there is raise up a child according to his bent. Find out his nature and use it as much as you can. You want to check the negative, but you want to encourage the positive bent, the com- positive, we might say, emotional DNA, intellectual DNA of the child. So this requires cooperation between mom and dad. It requires dad to be patient. He's not going to be primary in the early days. He wants to be. Even now, my little grandchild comes in and and tries to whoop me, but he immediately gravitates to Bibi. He immediately wants to sit and listen to her read books. They, when he comes over, they uh, they sleep in the guest bed together. He's only five, and um, and he wants that. And he's already talking about, well, pretty soon I'll be ready to sleep by myself. And he's already saying that that's coming. And but but Bibi's the the person he wants to have there. He wants to wake me up violently in the morning, but. Uh, but but that's okay that he's oriented that way. It's just the way it happens. And then there'll be a migration. And the men in his life need to be there to be ready to receive that and as actively involved as they can be in the meantime. And I want to keep this theological symbolism clear because I think it helps us orient towards what our roles are. 
Woman symbolizes that God is there, first of all, loving, caring, nurturing. That's what you want. That's also, by the way, uh, why unfathered young boys often don't have the sense of trust in God, don't handle the world's vicissitudes and, and bludgeoning well, because dads teach a boy that God is powerful and can be trusted. They teach them that manhood can hurt, but you recover. They teach him, they teach that young boy uh, that he's got strength, that he's got to use wisely. There's got to be places where he can just be all out. One of the reasons I wrestle to the point of exhaustion with my five-year-old grandchild is he needs to have an absolute blowout. He came in the other day from his, uh, his school and you can tell he's been told at school, sit still, you know, color, do the job, do the do the notebook. He's with a lot of women. Not that is nothing but a positive. But at some point, when he gets out at two and comes to our place by two thirty, he wants to blow up the world. And I need to give him a constructive way to do that if he's staying with us. So for the next hour and a half, we just whoop each other. He gets thrown, he gets pinned, he gets lightly karate chopped. He jumps on my back and tries to wrestle me down. I let him. He needs to know that he can blow off all that steam and use all that inner inner strength and energy he's got. And if he doesn't and, and now I still say don't break this, don't no no we're not going to go into that room. You know, there're still boundaries. But where we are in the middle of a great big open space in the living room, there is nothing but loving, controlled violence. So good for him. And I'll stick with him and I'll stick as close as I can. His father will too. And as time goes on, uh, he'll gravitate a little bit away from the women, a little bit more towards the men. And that's perfectly normal. But the men need to assure respect. And the men need to assure that they're narrating his journey more into man world and learning to handle his power. That's a lot of what that's about. And he starts, what happens is the boys start to perceive that the mom's fussing, which he's been doing his whole life, somehow pricks at his, a sense of weakness and insecurity he has, and he starts to resent it. So dads can coach the moms. Dad can coach the boys. This thing can be done with respect and happiness. And the, and the dads take boys into man world. And then, like I say, later on, normally it levels off and the, and the, the son relates to both mom and dad equally. This is an important thing to keep in mind. And by the way, I've learned that a lot of single moms listen to this podcast, understand their boys and understand manhood. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Welcome to you. But what you can do now is make sure that you're pulling the right kind of men into the life of your boy. Uh, you can make sure you're pulling the right kind of nurturers, nurturing males into the life of your boy if you're a single mom with a boy at home. And remember that exciting stat. We can make, we step into the life of an unfathered boy, an unbiologically fathered boy, we can make as much as 85% difference. And God can certainly make up the rest. All right, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're trying to do. I appreciate the questions many of you are sending in. Let's be the great men we're called to be, in part because our young men and women in our homes need it. This generation is challenging, and we need to be the men we're called to be. Because this is one of the great arts of great manhood. To join the Great Man Movement or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's three essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.